Welcome to Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur, where I drink, discuss, and discover the world of distilled spirits. I'm your host, Matt Burchard. This is episode 53, and I'm drinking Hearing Cherry Liqueur. With each episode, you should expect that I'll be well-researched and educational, entertaining, and consistent in my reviews. I chose to feature Hearing on this episode because it's a classic, and it's one that's been on my list for a while. Also, when I was doing episode 47 on Luxardo Maraschino, I was in the realm of cherry-based liqueurs. And Hearing predates Luxardo by several years, so maybe I should have covered this one first. So the bottle I have for this episode is Hearing the original cherry liqueur. It is a 750 milliliter bottle. It is 24% alcohol by volume, making it 48 proof. And it sells for about $32. The bottle is short and square with a bulbous neck. It's brown glass and Peter F. Herring's signature is molded into the shoulder on the back and there's a coat of arms on the front. I believe it's a coat of arms. That's what it looks like. The paper label is off-white with gold foil accents, and the most prominent text is in dark red and reads hearing, then cherry liqueur. Also, the date of 1818 is very prominent. 1818 is in black. And the top of this bottle carries a royal appointment below a coat of arms that reads, in part, purveyor of cherry herring. Okay, let's open this bottle up and give it a taste. So it is a brand new bottle. I've never had it. It's got a very handy zip strip. You'll know sometimes I've struggled trying to open bottles in the past, but this is very prominent and easy. It appears to be a screw top. Let's give it a... No, it's a synthetic cork. <laughs> little pop. So, I have a clean Glencairn. Let's go for a pour. Ooh. That's a, a different color than I expected. It's quite dark. There's some red in it, but yeah, very dark. The liqueur is in a brown glass bottle, so you can't really see the color. It's got a ruby red color to it, almost brown, actually. Coats the glass as I swirl it, and I taste all my spirits neat, which is room temperature, undiluted in a Glencairn, which is a whiskey glass. It really gives you a good nosing of the spirit. So let's try it on the nose. Yeah, so that's cherry. It's not like Luxardo really didn't smell like cherry. This smells like a cherry jam, maybe? It's low proof, so I'm not, I can feel a little bit of the ethanol vapors, but I'm not singeing my nostrils like you would with a higher proof spirit. But this is really nice. It makes me think of like pastries. There's maybe a hint of like a marzipan or an almond bit, and I know that comes from how this is made. They actually use the cherries and keep the pits in, so there's a little bit of an almondness that comes out from the pits being left in with the cherries. It smells really good. Nice and sweet, very much cherry. All right, let's go for a taste. Mmm. It's a little syrupy, the mouthfeel. It's got more of a, a body to it than I expected. 
I also am reminded of my mom's home canned plums. So there's a plumminess to it that is unexpected. Uh, it's really sweet. There's a lingeringness to it. It's got a long finish. I'd really say like cherry jam flavored, uh, but like a plum. It's like the, the juice of canned plums is what I'm getting. Though plum is probably incorrect. I taste that, but it's cherry through and through. It is syrupy. Uh, though very syrupy nice tartness though it, it's very sweet but it's balanced with some tartness on it okay on to the history hearing was created in 1818 by peter f hearing who is described on the hearing website as a young businessman trading colonial goods in the copenhagen harbor in fact, he was 26 years old in 1818, so he was indeed young, but he had served as a pharmacist's apprentice under a Mr. Karstensen prior to this, and in 1815 to 1818, he reportedly did work for a colonial goods trader. And then in late 1818, after he had learned the trade, it said that he opened his own grocer's shop. Back then, grocers were much more involved in the goods they sold, and trading in and even manufacture of distilled spirits was common. It's reported that the recipe for cherry herring wasn't Peter's creation, but that of Mrs. Karstensen, the wife of the man he apprenticed under, who gave the cherry liqueur recipe to him. Herring's cherry liqueur, simply referred to as cherry cordial, became popular quickly, and given that he was located in the harbor, ship's captains started including the liqueur in their cargo for trade around the world. Thus, exports developed pretty much from the start, around Europe and much farther away, to the Mediterranean, Brazil, Indonesia, which at the time was the Dutch West Indies, and even the Caribbean. Peter Herring seems to have been quite enterprising and prosperous because in 1833, he acquired his first ship, a schooner. Peter bought the ship to control the exports of the liqueur. He acquired many more ships and established export accounts in London in 1836, sent a shipment to the USA in 1837, and the liqueur reportedly had distribution in India in the early 1840s and China by the mid-1840s. In 1868, Peter F. Herring, the founder, was injured in an accident, and his eldest son, Peter N. Herring, who was 30 years old at the time, took over the family business. The elder Peter Herring, Peter F. Herring, he lived to be 83 years old, but died in 1875. The following year, his son, Peter N. Herring, got out of the shipping business and sold off all the ships that they had to focus solely on the liqueur business. Herring also gained their first of many honors of purveyor to royal courts, supplying the royal Danish court and then the imperial Russian court, and others followed. In 1900, Herring was trademarked in Japan, coinciding with Suntory of Japan Importing Herring. A company by the name of Shealy Importing Company gained importation rights to the USA. 1900 was also the year that leadership of the company was passed to the third generation, this being brothers Harold and William Herring taking over the operation of the business. The turn of the century is notable as well because herring begins to be referred to as cherry brandy rather than cherry cordial. However, herring is not actually a brandy, but that doesn't seem to matter much. 
1915 was a pivotal year for herring, and it may have ensured the brand's longevity. This was the year that the Singapore Sling Cocktail was invented at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore. Cherry herring is a key ingredient in the cocktail, and herring has embraced this heritage, running a sling contest worldwide, inviting bartenders to compete to develop their own sling variation. The finals tend to take place at the Raffles Hotel in Singapore, the birthplace of the cocktail. In 1922, the second notable cocktail that features cherry herring was invented. This is the Blood and Sand, which is scotch-based and named after a 1922 film. By the 1950s and early 1960s, herring was sold in over 140 markets worldwide, with more than 350,000 9-liter equivalent cases sold per year. It is reported that herring was the second best-selling liqueur in the United States of America after Benedictine. Interestingly, in 1970, the product name was changed to Peter Herring, apparently in an effort to avoid confusion with cherry-flavored pickled herring fish. But 20 years later, after what would become the first of many mergers and acquisitions of the company, a major rebrand was undertaken, including the development of the square bottle that we have now. The name was changed back to Herring Cherry Liqueur, or simply Cherry Herring. There was a series of ownership changes from the 1990s to the late 20-teens as mergers and acquisitions take place, but it seems the brand remained mostly unmolested during these transitions. And in 2013, the Sling Awards I mentioned earlier were established. In 2015, Herring pulled out all the stops to celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Singapore Sling. In 2017, De Kuyper acquired Herring for an undisclosed sum. Through all this, Herring has always been produced in Denmark and remains produced in Denmark to this day. So that's the story of the brand. So on to how it's made. I can't really say how it was originally made and how much, if any, of the recipe has changed, but it is known that production methods were substantially modernized in the 1930s. I'm sure they've been upgraded since. Herring is currently made by soaking lightly crushed Danish Stevens cherries, including their pits, with a proprietary blend of spices and neutral grain spirits. The blend ages in casks for three to five years, with sugar being added during maturation, and the aging liqueur is circulated every few months. It's bottled at 24% alcohol by volume, or 48 proof, and off to market it goes. So, because it's made with neutral grain spirits, it's not a brandy. Brandy is made from grapes. Also, herring should not be confused with other cherry liqueurs, notably Luxardo Maraschino, that I featured in episode 47. And I'll be honest, when I did that episode, I expected Maraschino to taste like cherries, but for whatever reason, when that liqueur is made, they use the Marasca cherries, the pits, stems, leaves, and even the twigs, so there's a very different flavor, a woodiness to it that's not pure cherry. Herring, on the other hand, I'm very happy to say this is a sweet cherry flavor. If you're looking for cherry in a cocktail, you need herring. As I mentioned in the tasting, the sweetness of the cherry is balanced by a bit of tartness and the slight almond flavor that comes from the fact that the pits are left in with the fruit. So now, cocktails and consumption. And the cocktail for hearing is the Singapore Sling. Sling was originally a style of cocktail originating in North America, and it denoted a drink made with spirit and water, sweetened and flavored. The Singapore Sling was originally called a gin sling. It's a long drink, which is served in a tall glass. Typically now a hurricane glass is used. 
The bartender credited with the Singapore Sling's invention is, and I apologize, I will likely mispronounce this name, but is Nagim Tong Boon, who was working at the Long Bar at the Raffles Hotel. It's said that at the time, etiquette dictated that women shouldn't be seen in public consuming alcohol, so they were often served fruit juices or teas. The Raffles Hotel had a high-end clientele, and Mr. Boone saw opportunity to create a drink that looked like fruit juice for female patrons, and ta-da, the Singapore sling was born. However, there is some debate because in the 1930s, apparently the original recipe was lost and the version that the Raffles Hotel uses today is based on bartenders' recollections or their memories from the time. But herring is said to be one of the key ingredients, along with some other less common or more exotic ingredients. In show notes, I'll provide the recipe that the International Bartenders Association has agreed upon, but it's mostly gin, then herring, then some Cointreau, Benedictine, grenadine, pineapple juice, lime juice, and bitters. Beyond the sling, herring is great served neat or on the rocks. I really enjoyed my pour just right out of my Glencairn. It's quite delightful. It is rather syrupy though, so every time I took a drink, I had to rinse it with some water in my mouth because I found I was uh, not able to enunciate correctly when trying to speak. So in summary, what do I think of herring? (laughs) This is good. It tastes like cherries. It's the cherry flavor I really wanted maraschino to taste like, uh, but I guess I should have started with this one. Again, the, the vision of my mom's home canned plums just came back to me, and there's that that plumminess, that syrupy sweet with a little bit of tartness balanced in there. I really like it. Uh, this will have a permanent place in my liquor cabinet. I'm excited to try some cocktails with it, actually. I think it gives it a, a nice sugary sweet punch with some tartness that might balance off some of that sweetness and maybe acidity if you're mixing it with citruses. Singapore sling is mostly pineapple juice and it's got lime juice so you get a lot of that kind of sharp citrusness. I think this would kind of mute that and play nice with the gin as well. But that's going to do it for this episode of Liquor and Liqueur Connoisseur. As always, I'm your host, Matt Burchard. Please subscribe and share. Do tell your friends. I really enjoy producing this show, and I love hearing from my listeners. Show notes are posted on liquorandliqueurconnoisseur.com. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favorite podcast platform. The show is also on social media. Instagram and Facebook are where I'm most active. And as always, thank you for listening. 